Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Now into the, into the fourth session, and um, we're looking tonight at changing our distorted worldview, a worldview that got distorted by the world that we came out of, not our own fault, but uh, we have a choice now, and that is that we can change the way we think as we look into Scripture and we allow the Holy Spirit to, uh, to, to develop our thinking, to become biblical thinking. The Scriptures, as you know, were written, certainly the Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew and Aramaic, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Now, Greek was the, the language that everybody spoke in those days uh, in the known world around, uh, around Jerusalem. Uh, and so the Hebrew writers would have written in Greek. And the entire New Testament is written by Hebrews. So it was interesting because some years back, certainly within Church of the Nations, um, Tony was impacted by a teaching that was done by Bob Mumford, and Bob Mumford was used uh, in the leadership school at the Hatfield Church in Pretoria, which was very um, instrumental, I guess, in impacting us where we were uh, with our leadership school. And I remember doing that leadership school and hearing the teaching by Bob Mumford himself uh, and, and, and being quite shaken by it. He was asked by one of his students... Do you think that the fact that the Bible was written by Hebrews in Greek had an impact on the way in which it was interpreted? Which was a very interesting question. And, uh, and they began to think about it and realized the extent, and I want to share with you now, the extent to which a Greek worldview impacts on a Hebrew worldview <laughs> or the other way around. Uh, and, and what happens as a result, because it's affected all of us, and it's affected your worldview, whether you knew that or not, very, very deeply indeed. Um, the Hebrews based their society, based their life on family. And so Hebrew understanding the society in which it was built was built around family. And this Scripture that was then written in Greek was a Hebrew mindset. It was a Hebrew worldview, but written in Greek. And when it left Jerusalem and went across to Greece, it was then interpreted by a Greek worldview. And being written in Greek, it obviously had a, it had a major impact. And so a lot of the early church fathers came out of that Greek philosophical background. And the philosophy in Greece had been established by the the great philosophers, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato. And and there was a Greek philosophy, a worldview of life that they had established and inculcated into into the Greek culture. And that was influencing the whole world at the time. And so here comes this, New Testament, and it gets put into that situation, but it's looked at 
with Greek spectacles. I don't know why I chose the green, but you can understand what happens. It's written with Hebrew, but it's interpreted with Greek, and you come up with a different answer. That's the reality. And, and nobody was really seeing that clearly, I don't think, until Bob Mumford exposed that and began to look at it. Um, and let me just say that not all of the Greek mindset's wrong, but it, it profoundly altered the way in which biblical script, well, scripture was interpreted because it, it impacted thought uh, and academic life. These are the things it impacted. The thought and academic life, it impacted social life, and it impacted spiritual life. And so all of life gets impacted by the worldview and changes the way you think. So the, the Hebrew origins of the gospel have been uh, significantly altered by our cultures so that as we read the scripture, we are reading them through our glasses, through our spectacles. And we need to understand that. When they were written, they were written with Hebrew spectacles, with, founded on, on family, founded on a, a social system which was very different to the Greek one. And so from deep family values, the gospel then got influenced as it went across, across the world, influenced by the culture in which it, it was interpreted. So it's, it's been said that when the gospel was written and came out of Jerusalem, uh, it was based on family, and the church was based on family. Uh, and then it went across to Greece, and it became a philosophy, and I'll I'll explain to you why that is so. It became a spirit, it was spiritualized and it became a philosophy. It then went across to Rome and, uh, and it was institutionalized, it became an institution in Rome, then went into Europe and it became a culture. Um, and then with tongue in cheek and a little smile, it then went further across west and it became an enterprise. And in many ways, church is big business today, isn't it? I mean, in many Western situations, it's, it's, it's big business, and it operates like big business. And it was only ever meant to be family, if you go back to the Hebrew understanding. So, so we, need to, we need to understand that. There is a, it's had a profound impact on the way in which Scripture is interpreted. So Western theology has largely been shaped. Our theology, what, what you have received, has largely been shaped through the lenses of Greek philosophy and a Greek philosophical worldview. And we need to understand that because it's had a big impact. Um, so those, those uh, philosophers who were involved in, you know, in, in, that, philosophy, in that philosophical thinking um, have established certain cultural things within the world in which we live that are still lived out to this day. Um, and many, as I said, many of the church fathers, the early church fathers, were educated in classical Greek thought. So when they interpreted the scriptures and they began to interpret it for the church and teach the church, they were teaching from a Greek philosophical worldview and not a Hebrew one. And it, it, had, a, it had a big impact. Um, in Greek thinking, matter is evil. Now, it, it, it may surprise you, but in that in that philosophy, spirituality is held 
as a very high virtue. There's great importance placed upon spirituality, but physical matter is considered uh, of little importance. It's evil, in fact. And so, can I just say this is not about the Greek-speaking people, okay, today. It's got nothing to do with home language or anything like that. It has to do with the philosophy, which I think Satan propagated, because it's had very negative impacts uh, on, on the church uh, as a whole. So, if, if matter is evil, let me just, maybe it'll, it'll help you just to understand it this way. If matter is evil, then poverty is a high virtue. Okay? So you now look at the church and see what they did to the priests in the early days. And the, many of the denominations, and still to this day in the Roman Catholic Church, the priests are kept poor. Why? Because that's a high value. It's a, it's a value of spirituality. But if you go to Hebrew understanding, it's got nothing to do <laughs> with, with your spirituality because in Hebrew understanding, we are, and we'll read the scripture, we are body, soul, and spirit, not just a spirit man. So, so there is a big impact there. And so to say to a Hebrew, God doesn't care about your physical state, doesn't care about your body, and he doesn't care about your physical being. In fact, your spirituality is what's important, but your physical being is not. To say that to a Hebrew would be, he wouldn't understand you at all, because his worldview says, no, God cares about me, cares about my family, cares about what I eat. He cares about every aspect of my life. Um, why, why, would, why would I spiritualize everything in order to be of value to God? Because he cares about everything that impacts me. And so those are the things that deeply changed as a result of this worldview applied to a Hebrew mindset that came with the New Testament. So Colossians, remember we said, said this, Colossians 2 verse 8, it said, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. You see, there's a, there are spirits behind it and not according to Christ. And so a lot of what was understood and a lot was interpreted of the New Testament was interpreted through the eyes of Greek thinking. Uh, and the early church fathers uh, impacted the church hugely. We'll deal with a little bit more of that as we go through. So these are some of the things that it impacted. Let's look quickly at thought and academic life. See, the emphasis in Greek philosophy uh, was on the acquisition of knowledge. Knowledge was of, of high value. That was one of the things. As I said, spirituality was poverty. Knowledge was a high value issue. And the, it was knowledge in the abstract, theorizing about things. Um, theoretical things were of great value. And that has shaped our modern education system, whether we like to think about that or not, it has. Um, and the resulting little attention that's been given to the importance of being able to put into practice what we believe, uh, that's been lost. And so a lot of education is simply, it's, it's hot air and theory and abstract. Um, and, and so here's an example. Certainly in Africa, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go down into the Rift Valley somewhere in Kenya 
And now I've got some folk who, uh, who really are rural. And I'll say to them, those of you, who's, who, you know, who went to high school and you know, half the folk will put their hand up. <laughs> and I'll say to them, okay, so who of you did Shakespeare in high school? And, and a few of them will put, them, put their hands up and I'll say, wow, and how did it help you? And then they giggle and, <laughs> because, because why did they not teach them some, a subject like farming God's way? Or why didn't they teach them agricultural principles? Why did they, why did they not teach them about, about family? I'll, I'll say to, and I could say to you tonight, so who learned about how to treat your wife when you were in school? It's, it's, not, it's not a school subject, is it? But it impacts a lot of your life. Um, I always think you should write a book, you know, Understanding Your Wife. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's either going to be a very big one or... Because I'm still... You know, we still struggle with those things. But there was never a, there was never a subject, was there? But, but that comes out of a system... That puts a value on theory and, and not, on, not on real life. Um, and in the 1930s, the philosophy of education was decided upon. Uh, and there were two philosophers that were being followed. The one was a guy by the name of Robert Hutchins. And he said, we need to prepare people for life. And then uh, the other one was John Dewey. And he said, we need to prepare people for a job. And uh, the latter won the argument. So John Dewey's argument, we need to just prepare people for a job at school. And, and we should actually be preparing children for life. We should be helping them to understand you know, how to deal with debt and how to deal with, you know, with your finances and stuff. I mean, I went right through, right through school. Okay, we didn't have economics as a subject. And right through school, we went right through medical school, became a doctor, never had a single day in all of that, where they taught me how to deal with my money. And I went into medical practice absolutely, totally clueless about how to look after that and learned the hard lessons because there's a saying in the world that says a doctor and his money are soon parted. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and there, it's a truth that, that we're not taught. We're not taught how to save. We're not taught the principles. And there are lots of principles in Scripture which are very practical but just don't come through. And so... Um, it's very interesting. So, you know, how to raise children, um, all of these things. There's a, there's a wisdom in, that God wants us to have that got excluded and it became, everything became a theory. So the Hebrew mindset revolves around wisdom. And 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, where's the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? See, wisdom is applied knowledge. It's, um, it's the ability to, to make correct choices. And we, we need to be taught that. We need, we need, that's a practical application. Um, so biblically, wisdom is an expression of the very character of God uh, in everyday living. His, his, who he is and what he wants us to and, and how he wants us to live our life is a practical application in everyday living. And the Hebrews had very little time for philosophy. As I said, the, the whole Greek understanding was, came out of philosophy, but Hebrews had very little time for philosophy. Um, 
They were far more interested in reality. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. Okay, we've read that scripture a number of times. But Greek thought also brought an emphasis on rationality. That is the seeing is believing approach, which became the whole background to existentialism we talked about last night. So if it doesn't exist, then it isn't. You know, there was no spiritual world at all uh, in, that, in that sense. But the biblical mindset, in, con in contrast, was the emphasis on faith, uh, which is believing is seeing. Um, you know, and, and we, because we walk by faith and not by sight. So I, I think that, that caused a, you know, another division between the, the, the Greeks saying, um, you know, there's, there's a rationality involved, whereas we say, no, we live by faith because we believe in a God who is more than able. So Hebrew faith was never passive. It was always, a, it was very active, a, a doing thing. Jesus did what he, you know, what he spoke and he spoke, when he spoke, he did it. And so the whole of our, our social life has been, you know, our thought and, sorry, our thought and academic life has been impacted by, by that. The next one that's been affected is our social life because Greek thought placed an emphasis on structure instead of relationship. And that's important to understand because Greek thought emphasizes government and control. We, we have tried certainly within Church of the Nations, we've tried to build on relationship because we've, we see that that's the foundation of Hebrew society and Hebrew understanding. Government and structure are not, uh, are not a high value in, in Hebrew understanding. The society is built on families, family, clan, tribe, and nation. Um, and so the Hebrews emphasized family, and the Bible teaches us that, that God runs his kingdom as a father and that he's the, you know, he's the originator of the concept of family and that he wanted us as a family. That, that's, the, that's the heart, that's the biblical truth that's coming through, that God is a father and he, his favorite name for himself is, is father, Abba, father. And Jesus said, I've, I've come to, you know, to introduce you to my father and your father, my God and your God. And, and so he's restored us to that fatherhood. And that's important, but that's not, that's not Greek thinking. It's not the Greek philosophical thinking. So Ephesians 3 verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, it, it, it then you will understand, and here's another practical application. It, um, it will impact on... How we appoint leaders in church, because if you do it with a Greek mindset, and, and here you will now see the impact that that Greek philosophy has had on the history of the church, and even to this day on, on the culture of the church in many ways, because the appointment of, for example, elders within the church, when Paul gives you the qualifications for it, and he speaks to both Titus and Timothy, giving them qualifications, the qualifications are based on fatherhood. You want to know who can look after the church? Well, it's God's family. You better get somebody who's a good dad, somebody who's a good father and a good husband. And all of the issues that Paul talks about are character issues, 
apart from the one thing, which is that they should be able to teach, but that does't mean he has to be a brilliant preacher. It means he needs to be able to teach, and teaching can be on a one-on-one -on -one basis, can be around the coffee table. So, so that qualification is not, it's not an academic qualification. But Greek thinking will say this, you cannot be the pastor until you've got your Bachelor of Theology degree because the degree will qualify you. And, and can, you, can you understand the difference? So it doesn't matter if you've got lousy character. As long as you've got the academics to do it, then you're fine. You're appointed. And you can't be appointed until you've got that. And so I know of people, um, I, in fact, I remember I, our Methodist minister told me he studied theology for whatever it was, four years at Rhodes University in South Africa. And the guy who came top of their class was not born again. And when he'd finished his degree, he went on and did another degree. He never ever became, he was never involved in Christian work. He just did a theological degree for a matter of, you know, one of those brilliant guys. So we need to understand that. So it, it's impacted so many areas. As I said, you know, keep the, keep the pastor poor because that'll keep him humble and that will, you know. Um, whereas if we had time we, and we don't, but in Hebrew thinking, with the tithing system, the Levites lived at the same level as everybody else because that was, God structured it that way in his kingdom, in his kingdom mind thinking. Every, everybody lived, you know, had an opportunity and could, could do what was necessary. And the tithes were there to give those who had given their lives to serve in the, in the temple the a lifestyle that would be similar. They were not meant to be kept poor because God cares for us in every area of our life. So these things have, it's rubbed off in so many areas. Just quickly then, I want to just read through now the qualifications for leadership, uh, which, as I said, has nothing to do with the education then. Everything to do with family and character. Writing to Timothy, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and then this able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Why? Because that's God's household. It's the family. That's, that's the Hebrew understanding. He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So leadership in the church is then based upon fatherhood, upon motherhood, upon, upon parenting, upon family values, not upon what this Greek impact has done, and that is to say the value is academics. Um, it, it, it's community. Community is a higher value. Interdependence is a higher value, biblically, than individualism. But you, you will see in much of, of church teaching, it's focused on the individual. That was not Hebrew. Ten steps to make you a better person. Ten steps to a greater, better you. You know, all of the stuff that goes on. And it's not, it's not all wrong, all I'm saying is this, we must be very careful that we do not lose the Hebrew understanding, which was 
an interdependence, uh, a family, church based on community and, and uh, rather than on individualism and independence. And you may not like me saying that, but that's, a, that's the truth. It's, it's out, of, out of Scripture, there was, a, there was an interdependence and a, and a family life together. Um, whereas now people are, are, they're going to church and, the, you know, it affects even the altar call. Have you got a problem? We'll come to Jesus. He'll solve it for you. And he's then portrayed and you get a worldview of Christ as being this, this butler in the sky who can answer all your issues and your problems. You just have to order it. And, and actually, the altar call should say this. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. What are you going to do about that? What's your response to that? Because he's the king of the universe. How, how, how do you, you know? And so I think a whole lot of stuff gets changed by the worldview. And we just need to come back to some foundational truths, because it's not about my destiny. <laughs> and my purpose and what Jesus can do for me. It's about a king. It's about a king. His name is Jesus, and it's about his kingdom. And we, had, we get to serve that, and it's a cause and a purpose just so glorious and wonderful and eternal. Um, and so we mustn't get confused and muddled up. And then it affects spiritual and material life in this way because we are spirit, as I said, soul. We're spirit, soul, and body. Hebrew understanding was that it's the whole of you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body, spirit and soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Gnosticism took its name from the Greek word gnosis, uh, which means knowledge. And the conviction being that matter, as I said, is evil, and emancipation comes through gnosis, through knowledge. So emancipation of man comes through knowledge. Um, and one of its primary ideas was, was that of dualism, which has deeply impacted the church. The concept that the material world is essentially evil and the spiritual world is essentially good. So what happens? You get the sacred-secular divide. You have Sunday, where we stand and we worship the Lord, and Monday... I go to work and I'm a different person because I don't have to be the same person because that's my spiritual life and this is my real life and that's not Hebrew. But all of these things have huge impacts on the way in which the world operates and the way we operate. So dualism, this break between you know, the, the spiritual and the real life, it's, um, it's resulted in Christians compartmentalizing life and, and, and you get to compartmentalize it into your spiritual life and then your fleshly life. And dualism has resulted in many Christians you know, dividing themselves like that and, and, and living like the devil on Monday, but on Sunday they're singing in church. And you've seen that. We, we, we've all seen that. The Hebrew mind sees everything as belonging to the realm of, uh, of, of God. You know, there's a, it, it's, it's the realm in which in which the Lord is, is Lord of all. So there's no dichotomy, there's no, there's no division between my Sunday life and my Monday life. Who I am is who I am, and it affects everything. So everything I do, my, my work, my leisure, my entertainment, my church life, my sex life, my family life, my social life, 
my education, everything else in my life must be affected by the fact that I'm a Christian. Must be. There's not an area that remains untouched by the Lord. So being a follower of Jesus is a way of life. It's not a religion. I serve him in every area of my life, even in the mundane things. I serve him and worship him through it all. And as I said last night, every kingdom has, has a government and has an economic system. And this kingdom that we're part of has fatherhood as its government and generosity as its economy. Um, and we get to be part of it. And uh, it's a wonderful blessing. As we finish off tonight, I want to just quickly pull up a slide and, and just highlight for you the difference between the, the Hebrew model and the Greek model of the way church is and the way life is. With the Hebrew model, it starts with father. With the Greek model, it starts with courts and a legal system. And so, again, let me just say quickly, there are, there are consequences. If you build a church on a courts and legal system, when somebody steps out of line, you will have some sort of a committee or a, you know, they'll set up a, a judicial system to deal with it. And in some churches, you then will be, if, if you've stepped out of line and, you know, messed up morally or whatever it is, you'll get shot in the knees so that you will never walk straight again. And everybody will always know that you have failed. Whereas if you start with fatherhood and somebody sins, then what it says in Galatians 6 verse 1, if somebody, if somebody sins, restore such a one. In case you go the same way yourself, Paul says, but, but you treat, treat somebody as a son. In other words, if, if a son falls down, you, you then don't kick him in the teeth. You, 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 in a sense, cover that sin and walk him through it and bring him back to a place of restoration so that he may be made whole. That's the heart of the father. That's what God, I believe, sees. But if, you, if you're built on this Greek thinking, you have a judicial system and you get judged and, and broken and it's, a, it's punitive. It needs to be punished. Um, there's, there is a very big difference in how the church will deal with things in that situation. Second point is Hebrew models, verbs and action. Greek model is nouns and concepts. A lot of talking around issues. Uh, the Hebrew model is reality. The, the Greek model is, uh, is a philosophy. Um, Plato, Aristotle, and, you know, and others. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's philosophical. It's, yeah, not, not real. <laughs> and then Hebrew is concrete. And church based on Greek model is, is theory. The family is the unit in the Hebrew model whereas in the Greek model, it's city and government. So how, how the church then is ordered will depend on which influences come into practice. Uh, and so there are still churches that operate on a, on a democratic system. Democracy is not, I don't believe it's God's way at all. Uh, God's looking for the fathers who are going to lead and who are going to look after the church and look after you know, aspects of, of church life. Whereas in a... In a Greek model, there, there will be a, a parliamentary system and there will be voting and, uh, and, a, and a pastor will be hired. And, you know, it's just, it's very different. If you look at it, you'll see there is a big difference. And so we 
certainly in, in Church of the Nations, uh, and that would have been the impact you get out of this church, we've, we've tried to build on the basis of family. Family, clan, tribe, nation, just, you know, we're, we're together in that. Um, and then Hebrew model is based upon prosperity. Now, you need to just quickly understand the definition of prosperity is not creating wealth and amassing wealth. It's the, the biblical understanding is that every need that you have on this journey through life is met. It's met in Christ. You will lack nothing. You'll always have food. You'll always have... That's his promise to us. So that's, that's prosperity biblically. Whereas in the Greek model, with this dualism, matter is evil, and so money is a curse. Uh, and you want to avoid that if you, you know, and that's just not, it's just not Hebrew. All right. So it does impact a lot of things. And maybe just as we pull it together then, when David went to war, and you'll recall uh, the first time he went and he was then going to meet with, with uh, Goliath, he was sent to war. And uh, just close your eyes with me for a moment and, and imagine when, I, when we talk about an army, you know, what do you see as your worldview of an army? Um, okay, and, and certainly for me, if I was just to, to think of an army, I'm seeing tanks and I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing people, soldiers in uniforms and <laughs> rifles and marching and so on. But when, when the, the Israelites went to war, they went to war and they gathered against the enemy by family, clan, tribe, and nation. And so when David went to the war, he was taking, he was taking cheese and bread for his brothers and so their clan, their tribe, their, their clan and their tribe would have been gathered in one place. And so he went there to go and provide them. That's how they fought. So when the Bible talks about, you know, we the church are the army of God, <laughs> we need to be very careful that we don't put into place generals and corporals and sergeants and order everybody around and start behaving like a modern army because it wasn't like that. The families got together and fought against the enemy, and it was the, the, the tribes that aligned against, and the family got together and fought against. So it's very different, and, and that's what I'm saying in our worldview. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to see these things differently, because as the family of God, we are also the army of God. And in the Hebrew understanding, you can understand that, but not, not in a modern not in a modern army. Um, as I said, church structure and, and philosophy, all of these things got impacted. And democracy, you know, voting in the church situation, um, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's God's best for the church. I think in, in secular society, God's given us a choice, and democracy is probably the best of a bad bunch. But you've seen democracy doesn't work perfectly at all. Um, there are many parts of the world that it really is a disaster. Best thing would probably be a really God-spirit-filled um, dictator whose, <laughs> whose life was completely given to Jesus and whose entire purpose was for the well-being of his people. That, that would probably work well because he could just make it happen. Now we've got all sorts of things, and I did this for you, so you must do that for me, and so it's almost impossible in governments to now do what's right. Um, and by the way, agapeo, is a, it's a leadership word in, um, comes out of the word agape, which is this selfless love. 
But in the leadership context, it's doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. I don't think politicians can do that. They've got, they've got too many things happening. Too many IOUs and if you do, then I will. And I mean, we see it every day in politics. Um, so the parliamentary system, committees based on hierarchy and positional leaders with all sorts of impressive names. These things got, you know, they got into the church as well. I heard a great one when we were in Botswana last year. And uh, I, I thought I might just claim it for myself. It's someone called the Paramount Bishop. <laughs> Where did you guys get that from? You know, because somebody wants to be at the top of the pile. It's not biblical. It's not Hebrew. It's not family. It's this, it's this thing that's it's impacted the entire world. Um, Five-fold equippers are not appointed by man. They're given by Jesus to the church to equip the church for the work of the ministry. And the appointment of elders, I think, is a, you know, it should be done you know, by apostolic ministry, and it's a, but, it's, but it's, it's those who emerge as the dads in the house who can take care of the house, dads and moms. So we have to learn to see through Hebrew spectacles and get rid of those, that Greek thinking. <laughs> and as I said, it's got nothing to do with the Greeks, it's got to do with this philosophy that has deeply impacted the church. Uh, and Father, we pray that you will help us to get rid of whatever it is that we see through the eyes of the world, that we see through the eyes of the systems of this world and what Satan has portrayed to us as being, being truths and that we would see life through your eyes. We'd see the church through your eyes. We would build the church on biblical principles that you have provided. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Are there any questions? We still have a few moments. Um, all right. Okay, we, we can always answer those tomorrow, tomorrow night. You want, oh, you want to get a mic if we... Okay. Oh, yeah. I just want to let you know that every single night, uh, last night, sessions tonight and tomorrow... If you go through our YouTube channel the same way you would get to the Sunday sermon, uh, you will see this, uh, these sessions posted. And we are in the description of each episode or session, uh, the first few lines, you will see links to download the notes for each session. Uh, so please make, make use of that if you're watching us online as well. Uh, that is available. So the full notes uh, we have been given and we've linked it there for you as a resource, just to let you know. All right, good. Thank you. We'll finish off tomorrow night. I trust that um, it will, it'll, it'll all make sense as we pull it together tomorrow night. What? Oh, yeah. Jane just said something quickly just before you go. She said, "She said, don't get the wrong impression. Studying the word is not evil." <laughs> um, and 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 and. Bible schools are not wrong. All I'm saying is don't pick someone because of their brain. Pick them because of their character. Yeah. <laughs>